Hello, and welcome to the Calvary Road Baptist Church Podcast. I'm Pastor Paul Shirley, and I'd like to thank you for taking the time to listen. Each week, we will be releasing sermons and studies delivered directly from the pulpit at our church. Our goal with this podcast from Calvary Road Baptist Church is to make the gospel and sound biblical preaching more available to a wider audience. We hope that these sermons will be a blessing and an encouragement to you each week. As the scripture reads in Psalm 119 and verse 116, Uphold me according unto thy word, that I may live, and let me not be ashamed of my hope. Now, let's hear from God's word. 3 John chapter 1, verse number 4, John wrote these words. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in truth. Now from that verse we can back it up and we can read and we know that this is a letter, an epistle in your New Testament is a letter written to someone or a church. In this particular instance it is a letter written to an individual by the name of Gaius. You can see in verse number 1 there. And as John was writing to Gaius, he mentioned in verse number 3 and in verse 2 basically how that Gaius was a spiritual man and that he walked in the truth and that he loved the Lord. And then in verse 4 he said, I have no greater joy than uh, to hear that my children walk in the truth. So if we look at the verse literally, we can understand the first part of that verse where he says, I have no greater joy. If you look at that, what he's really saying is, nothing in life gives me more joy than this knowledge, this understanding, this statement. And Gaius was not the physical child of the apostle John, John the Beloved. But it is believed that he was one that John led to the Lord, if you would, a spiritual son. Amen? Paul often referred to Timothy as mine own son in the faith. And it's, it's uh, believed that Paul likely led Timothy in his moment of conversion, salvation. And so it is also believed about John here and Gaius, that he led this man to the Lord. Hence why he says, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in the truth. Now, that is a term of endearment, right? He's speaking about... In a sense, he's like a spiritual father to him because he is a, he's discipled him toward the Lord and he has led him to the Lord. But if we can understand that the knowledge that those we have led to the Lord should bring us great joy, surely an even greater joy should come in knowing that our own physical children walk in the truth. Amen. Now, uh, that, that word truth there, talking about the Word of God, amen, that is the truth. And knowing that children, that they walk in the truth, they walk in the Spirit, they walk in the Lord, that they love God and that they are right with God, that nothing in this life should bring a Christian more joy than the knowledge that their children are living for the Lord. Amen. Amen. Now when I consider, of course, today this being Mother's Day, uh, and and I will just say just because it's Mother's Day doesn't mean we're going to have a Mother's Day message, right? But the Lord did put a thought in my heart today as I considered mothers from the book of 1 Samuel. We're going to turn to 1 Samuel chapter 1 and we'll stay there for the remainder of this sermon this morning. As I consider mothers in the Bible, there are a number of examples that are given in the Bible of mothers. You can read through so many different accounts. We talk, you often learn about Sarah and how that she was aged when the Lord said that she was going to give or that he was going to give her and Abram a child, and that she laughed. Amen. We read about that. We read about Rebecca and how that she uh, favorited Jacob, and the story and the account of how that Jacob 
uh, deceived his father. Amen. Maybe not such a great story, uh, amen, or a great example, but it is an example of motherhood nonetheless. And there's others you can go through and read throughout the Bible. But when I think of, of good, godly mothers, uh, the number one name that comes to my mind, the number one account in the Bible, is actually my younger sister's namesake. And that's from 1 Samuel chapter number 1. And in 1 Samuel chapter 1, we are introduced to a woman, a young woman, by the name of Hannah. Now, Hannah is only mentioned in your Bible in 1 Samuel chapter 1 and 1 Samuel chapter 2. So in the grand scheme of the Bible, it would seem at first glance that her influence is very small. But I'm here to tell you today that even though her name may only be mentioned in two chapters of the Bible, by the way, which is the holy and perfect Word of God, not that that's some small thing, her influence is felt throughout the rest of the Bible because of the son that she brought to God. We're going to look at that this morning. As we, we look here, what are, uh, if, you look, if you're looking for a title, I guess, for the sermon this morning, what I'm speaking on is the true joy of godly motherhood. We're going to look here at 1 Samuel chapter 1, but before we do, let's say a word of prayer and ask the Lord to bless this, uh, this message. Our Father in heaven, God, we sure are thankful to be in your house today. God, I thank you, Lord, that you've uh, gathered these people together and that you brought us here today, Lord, to honor you, to worship you, Lord, to show you our love, and God, to hear from your word. God, I pray this morning as we look to your Bible, your holy word, God, that you would speak to us through it. God, I pray that our hearts would be moved by the word of God and by the touch of the Holy Spirit. God, I pray that you would anoint me with the power of your Holy Spirit this morning. Help me, God, to, to deliver this message as you've delivered it to my heart, Lord, with power and unction. God, I pray that your word would ring true in our ears today, God, that we would be, that we would be admonished and brought closer to you today. God, and we thank you, Lord, for those mothers who are here this morning, God, Lord, who, who have come, and Lord, who are living for you and serving you in their lives. God, we thank you for them. Pray that you'd bless them abundantly, Lord, and speak to us all this morning in the service today. We sure are thankful. We thank you for your son. Thank you for this church and this day. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Verse number 1 of 1 Samuel chapter 1, the Bible says, Now there was a certain man of Ramathame Zophim of Mount Ephraim, and his name was Elkanah, the son of Jeroham, the son of Elihu, the son of Tohu, the son of Zuth, and Ephrathite. Amen. That's one of them real tongue-twisty verses right there. And he had two wives. The name of the one was Hannah, and the name of the other was Penina. And Penina had children, but Hannah had no children. First, I want to speak to you about a marriage that was troubled here in 1 Samuel chapter 1. We see in these first two verses in this marriage that was troubled that the issue is described. What is the issue that is going to bring trouble to this marriage? Well, it is very specifically stated and described in verse number 2 where we are given a couple things that we know about this account. First, we know that Elkanah had two wives. Amen. That's going to be an issue. If you don't believe me, read your Bible. Every time you read an account of a man with multiple wives, there is always trouble. Amen. And that is because that's not the way God really wanted things to go. Amen. God designed us, and the Lord even describes that further in the New Testament, and, in our, and we understanding in our day and age, of course. And in this time, this man's got two wives, and it is going to cause trouble for both of his wives. Amen. And so he's just putting them in a little bit of a disadvantage. Now, I understand it was the culture of that time, but it is impossible to ignore the fact that when you read your Bible and you read in the Old Testament and you read accounts of 
uh, polygamy, there is almost always trouble in the home. Amen. Which is a, a big part of the reason why I think the Lord made it very clear in our modern age and in the New Testament, let's just have one man and one woman. Amen. Now, we look here and we see not only is the trouble coming, though, from the fact that there's two wives, the major trouble comes from the fact that one of those wives has born children and the other has not. Now, my wife and I have been very blessed. The Lord has given us now three children. Amen. We are very, very blessed. And when I say the Lord's given us three children, I mean that there is a life in her womb right now. Amen. It's not a future child. It's a child right now, in case you were wondering my stance on that. Uh, but this child, these children we've been given is a great blessing, and, and, and not everyone has that blessing. Amen. Some women struggle with the, the, the conception of having a child. They, they struggle to have children. There have been many women who, who had much trouble with conceiving. My own sister-in-law, Heather, I've spoken a little about that. Had my brother and she tried for, what was it, five years? I think five years. They tried to have a baby. They saw doctors and doctors and had procedures and nothing worked. Uh, nothing was working. And my sister-in-law, Heather, uh, is, was an ultrasound technician. Uh, and at times, during that five-year stint of them praying and asking God, and my brother being a pastor, and them begging for a child, my sister-in-law Heather would sometimes go to ultrasound appointments, and she would do an ultrasound on a teenage girl with an unwanted pregnancy with the intention of having an abortion. Now, imagine how difficult that would be for a woman to see someone being given a child who did not want a child who was subsequently going to murder that child. What it must do to a woman's mind to struggle with those things in such a specific way as Hannah was struggling here, where she is one of two wives to one man, and here she is, and she just cannot bear a child. And meanwhile, we will read in a moment that Penina had not just a child, but sons and daughters, multiple children over years of this marriage, and it has become a, a, a really, it's becoming something that could become bitterness in the heart of Hannah. Amen. It's the sort of thing that at times turns people away from God, that has them crying out saying, God, why is this happening to me? Amen. We don't see Hannah saying those things, but we do see a marriage that's facing some trouble. We see their implicit devotion in verse 3 where it tells us this man went up out of the city yearly to worship and sacrifice unto the Lord of hosts in Shiloh and the two sons of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas, the priests of the Lord, were there. So we know that Elkanah and Hannah and Panada in their home, they were devout to God. Every year, yearly it said, faithfully, they went up to Shiloh to offer their sacrifices. That they were faithful, that they followed the Word of God, and they were good godly people. So they were not wicked folk living lives of sin, but they were godly people who honored the Lord and honored the sacrifice, and yet Hannah is still barren and without child. We see an intentional demonstration in verse number 4. Said when the time was that Elkanah offered, he gave to Penina his wife and to all her sons and daughters portions. So we see that there, how that Penina had multiple sons and daughters. But unto Hannah, the Bible says he gave a worthy portion, for he loved Hannah, but the Lord had shut up her womb. Now, if you're curious why Hannah had not had children, verse number five, five tells us the Lord shut up her womb. That is to say that up to this point, God had not allowed Hannah to have any children. Amen. That's a difficult thing to understand. But that's why, Peter, that's why the Bible tells us in the New Testament, don't, 
Don't think it's strange when you're facing the fiery trial, which is to try you, that sometimes God will allow us to go through things because He wants to show us and teach us something. Amen. Now, we understand here as we're reading this that the Bible says that Elkanah, when he, when he gave the portions, he gave a fair portion to Peninnah and all her children. But when he came to Hannah, the Bible said he gave her a worthy portion. Matthew Henry, the old commentator, said this. He said it was uh, the Feast of Peace Offerings that he was there to pray and uh, supplicate peace for his family. And when he and his family were to eat their share of the sacrifice, because that's what they would do, they would bring this, whether it was a lamb or a goat or whatever it may be, and they would actually cook it, and the family had to eat portions of that as part of the sacrifice. And it said that when they would do that, that the offerer, which would be Elkanah in this case, would take the best part, you know, let's, let's call it the prime rib, amen. You know, the, the ribeye or whatever it may be, that real good tenderloin part of whatever animal it was they were offering. And he would take the best cut of meat and give it to someone as a show of honor and love, someone who was special, someone who deserved a special recognition. And the Bible says that every time yearly when they went and did that sacrifice, that Elkanah gave Hannah the best part because he loved her and he felt sorry for her. He knew that she was hurting because the Lord had shut up her womb. And what he wanted to do is he wanted to show her his love. That's what the Bible tells us. He gave it to her to, to give her this worthy portion because the Lord had shut up her womb. Then we see an intense division in verse 6 and 7. Verse number 6, the Bible says, Her adversary also provoked her sore for to make her fret because the Lord had shut up her womb. So who is that? Penina. Who in verse number 6 is described as her adversary. Now I want to point out something very clearly here. The Bible does not say that Hannah made Penina her adversary. The Bible says that Penina made Hannah her adversary. For whatever reason, whether it was the influence of the devil, or maybe she was jealous because, uh, because Hannah got the nicest cut of meat and she really liked lamb chops. I don't know what it was. But for one reason or another, she decided to wield her gifts as a weapon against someone who did not have the same gifts. Can I tell you that's a terrible idea? Amen. Don't ever flaunt what God has given you lest God take it away from you. Amen. Amen. We see that she provoked her in verse 7. And as he did so year by year, uh, sorry, as he did so year by year, when she went up to the house of the Lord, so she provoked her, therefore she wept and did not eat. So that tells us this has been going on for a long time. Especially when they would go up to the house of the Lord to sacrifice. Maybe, maybe Hannah and maybe Penina weren't around each other that much at home, but when they came together for that sacrifice, Penina took every chance to get a jab and a cut into Hannah about the fact that she couldn't have children. What an awful thing to do. Amen. Penina is not painted in a good light in this passage. I'll tell you that. But we see this intense division. And at the end of verse number 7, it says that Hannah, when she came up, that after, year by year, and so some time has passed, and this, this specific year here in this chapter, she's come up, and she is weeping over sorrow of not having a child. And the Bible says she did not eat. Deuteronomy chapter 26, verse 14, references says, I have not eaten thereof in my Morning. We understand that in times of mourning, in the sacrifice, the Jews were encouraged not to eat of the sacrifice. And so we see Hannah is observing that as if she is mourning the loss of someone who has died. But no one's died, she just has not had a child. But that gives us a picture of the great sorrow, the great distress that she is feeling. Amen. 
So we see here this marriage that was troubled. And here at the account where they've come together to give sacrifice and they're to eat, Hannah is not eating. and She is weeping. We see a mother that was tormented. You say, well, Hannah wasn't a mother. She had not had children, but you know what Hannah had? Hannah had the deep heart of a mother. She wanted a child more than she wanted anything else in life. She wanted a child so bad that all the other blessings in her life began to bring her sorrow only in the fact that she still could not bear a child. The fact that she had a good husband. Look here, we see the last straw in verse number 8. When Elkanah, her husband, saw she was crying, in verse 7, verse 8, he said to her, Hannah, why weepest thou? And why eatest thou not? And why is thy heart grieved? Am not I better to thee than ten sons? Now I believe when Elkanah said that, he honestly thought he could cheer her up. Look at all your blessings. Look at, look at how good I am to you, and look how good you've got it. Don't, don't be sad. But I believe when he said that, it just made her feel worse. Amen? Because then she thought, well, look... I, I'm even being a bad wife now. Now my husband's upset because I'm being a bad wife to him and I'm upset because I don't have a child and he loves me so much and I can't even give him a child. All these things go on inside of her mind that were internal to her and they were causing her so much trouble that really, after years and years of this, we know it's been years because it said year after year they went and they offered sacrifice. After years of this, finally, she has had the last straw. They call it the straw that broke the camel's back. Amen? That last little bit, that last jab from Penina, her adversary, that last word from Elkanah that just broke her heart completely. And in verse number 9, we see the lone solution. She looks around herself and realizes, there's nothing I can do, nothing is changing, nothing is happening, I cannot have a child. And in verse 9, Hannah rose up after they had eaten in Shiloh, and after they had drunk, and she did not eat. Now Eli the priest sat upon a seat by a post of the temple of the Lord. And she was in bitterness of soul and prayed unto the Lord and wept sore. She got up and she went to the house of God to pray. Now we know that they were there for the sacrifice, so odds are they were already right there by the temple. But she gets up away from her family and she goes somewhere where she can be alone, just her and God, in the house of God, in the temple of God. And she begins to pray. Can I tell you that that is the right reaction? The right reaction when you are overcome, as the Bible said, with a bitterness of soul is to find somewhere where you can get alone with God and call out to God. And that's what she did. We see a loving supplication in verse 11 as she is praying to the Lord. The Bible says she wept sore. And she vowed a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, if thou wilt indeed look on the affliction of thine handmaid and remember me, not forget thine handmaid, but will give unto thine handmaid a man-child, then I will give him unto the Lord all the days of his life, and there shall no razor come upon his head. It's clear that Hannah's devout, not only her husband, amen. She loves the Lord, she knows the Lord, she's coming here to Him, specifically just herself, which by the way is very unorthodox during that time. This is not how people pray. Now, she went to the right place. But when you really want to get a hold of God, you need to go through a priest. Here she comes, and she is crying out before God, and she's crying out, and she is making a loving supplication. She's come to the house of God in desperation. She's poured out her heart before God, and she makes Him a simple offer. 
God, if you will give me a son, I'll give him back to you. Can I say by comparison, her offering is much greater than Elkanah's offering. Now, Elkanah brought the sacrifice of whether it was the lamb or the goat or whatever it may have been, and that was exactly what God told them to do. And I'm sure it was a great lamb or goat. I'm sure it was as blemishless as was possible. But later on, this son she's going to bear is going to say these words in 1 Samuel chapter 15. Hath the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Better it is to obey, uh, to obey is better than sacrifice and to hearken than the fat of rams. You know what Samuel said? God loves obedience more than sacrifice. Why did God shut up Hannah's womb for this very reason? It was God's intention for Hannah to bring him her son. We see the moment of truth in verse 12. Eli, that old spiritual priest, marked her mouth, it said, as she's praying. Now Hannah, she spake in her heart, only her lips moved, but her voice was not heard. Therefore Eli thought she'd been drunken. Which, by the way, the fact that right there tells us he has no idea what she's praying. Verse 14, Eli said to her, How long will thou be drunken? Put away thy wine from thee. And Hannah answered and said, No, my Lord, I am a woman of a sorrowful spirit. I have drunk neither wine nor strong drink, but have poured out my soul before the Lord. Count not thine handmaid for a daughter of Belial, for out of the abundance of my complaint and grief have I spoken hitherto. And we see Eli's amicable response in verse 17. Then Eli answered and said, Go in peace, and the God of Israel grant thee thy petition that thou hast asked of him. Now, that's some pretty strong words from Eli, not having any idea what she asked for. Maybe she asked God to kill Eli. Who knows? He had no idea what she prayed. And let's be honest, Eli, you read about Eli, he's not a real spiritual guy. He didn't even have the spiritual discernment to know that she was praying. He thought she was drunk. And even if we give him an excuse for that, well, maybe he just couldn't tell. You, you read the account of Eli, he, he's, he's got some problems. But I'll tell you one thing about Eli. When he said that to her, whether he knew it or not, he was prophesying exactly what God had intended to do. And her attitude is restored in verse 18. And said, said there, she said, um, Let thine handmaid find grace in thy sight. And so the woman went her way and did eat, and her countenance was no more sad. Had God suddenly given her a son? No. But after going to God and going to the Lord and pouring out her heart before the Lord and hearing the priest say that may God give you what you've asked for, something changed in Hannah's heart. Her attitude was restored to how it was before this bitter sorrow had settled into it. And can I tell you, sometimes that's exactly what God wants to see from us. You know what I believe verse 18 tells us about Hannah? She put her faith in God. She said, there's nothing I can do. There was nothing Hannah could do to change her situation. You understand that? There was no doctor she could go see, no, no, no procedure she could have done, no, 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 uh, no magician she could go see. There was nothing that could be done. Everything she could do to have a child was outside of her hands until she went to God. She realized, I believe she realized in verse 17 and 18, she realized it's in God's hands. And that was when her life changed. The sorrow she felt, was she still sad? 
probably a little sad. Probably still, probably still a little worried, amen. Y'all know how it is to be worried. You know how it is to have that pit in your stomach and that fear. That, and sometimes you can overcome it, but it doesn't just disappear. She gets up, and the Bible said her countenance was no more sad. She ate, and that overwhelming bitterness and sorrow had been alleviated that she could go about in faith. Verse 19. They rose up in the morning early and worshipped before the Lord. She goes to church, and she worships God. Has God given her a son? Not yet. And you know what she's doing? Worshipping God now. When you're seeking help from God, don't wait till the help shows up to thank God and worship God and honor God and love God. Amen. Praise Him in the good times? Absolutely. But praise Him in the times of sorrow. Praise Him in the times of lowliness and bitterness. Amen. Praise Him when it's hard, just like Hannah did. What a, what a wonderful example this woman is as a future mother for her future children. We see her asking was remembered. They rose up, they went to the house of the Lord, they worshipped before the Lord and returned and came to their house to Ramah and Elkanah knew Hannah his wife and the Lord remembered her. I like that. I like that statement right there. When she prayed, you know what she prayed? We, we believe when you pray, you ought to pray specifically, don't you? I believe when you pray, you ought to say what you mean and mean what you say. Amen. Because God, His ear is turned down, He's listening. And as Hannah poured her, her heart out before God, as she laid out her vow, she said, Remember me and not forget thine handmaid. That's what she said. Don't forget me and remember me. And when we read verse number 19, it says, The Lord remembered her. You know what happened? God answered Hannah's prayer. Amen. He answered it specifically. Just as she asked that He would give her a son, that he would not forget it, he would remember her, that there wouldn't be more years of waiting and, and years of waiting and the Lord forget. But no, not that, but that he would remember her. You know what he did? He remembered. And the Lord gave her a son. Wherefore it came to pass in verse 20, when the time was come about, after Hannah had conceived that she bare a son and called his name Samuel, saying, because I have asked him, of the Lord. I've asked him of the Lord. Samuel is an answer from God. Amen. We named our son Samuel Lincoln because Samuel is such a powerful biblical name, an answer from God. What a miraculous thing. And I believe that our son was an answer from God. We didn't have to endure years of waiting like she did, but he was an answer from God. And, and so is this boy right here, an answer from God, that God had heard her, she'd asked him, and God had given. Then we see her medal was tested. You ever said you'd do something and then didn't do it? Amen? I'll take out the trash, and then you didn't. Amen. I've done that. And there's also been bigger things, things I'd say I said I would do. Have you ever prayed, Lord, if you'll forgive me, I'll never do this again? You ever said that? Have you ever then done it again? To vow a vow, the Bible says it's better to never make a vow than to make it and break it. 
The truth is, we've all made vows that we've broken. Say, well, I didn't say I promise. Well, I don't know anywhere in the Bible where it says it's not a vow if you don't say I promise at the end of it. Amen? A vow is a vow. If you'll do this, I'll do that. She made a deal with God. God, if you'll give me a son, what's she say? I will give him to you. Now she's got a baby in her arms. She's nursing this life that God has given her. And in verse number 21, the man Elkanah and all his house went up to offer unto the Lord the yearly sacrifice and his vow. Just like always, here comes again. Now, if we go by the timing and we say that it was right after they got back from the last time they did it, and that she had that baby nine-ish or so months later, she's only had that boy for two, three months. And it's time to travel back to Shiloh. And she remembers her vow. Verse number 22, Hannah went not up. For she said unto her husband, I will not go up until the child be weaned. Then I will bring him that he may appear before the Lord and there abide forever. Can I tell you this? She had some time. Now her time in comparison with the time God gives us may seem so short. Because in a year, that boy will be weaned. And she's going to take him up. Or maybe we push out a little longer. Maybe... Maybe we'll say in a year he wasn't quite ready, so she pushed another year. Let's say two years. That's not enough time, is it? It's not. As a parent, as a mother, looking around today, two years is, feels like such a short time, doesn't it? My daughter Peyton will be five in July, and it feels like yesterday she was still toting a passy around everywhere. That time just goes like that. Hannah had a year, two years. She said, I, I will take him up, but not until he's weaned. God gives us a certain amount of time with our children, whether that be a long time, a long time or a short time, whether it's just a year or many years. The truth is, it passes in the blink of an eye. Everybody says, don't blink or you miss it. And I'm like, yeah, okay. And I'm thinking, well, these nights feel pretty long when I'm not sleeping. And then two years go by and it's like, uh-oh, what happened? But she had some time because God gave her some time. And I'll just say this, and we ought to thank God for the time He gives us with the children He gives us. Amen? It's precious. Don't waste it. It's precious. You have an opportunity to be for those children a proper influence. Something to, to raise them up for God. Amen? Don't waste it. She had time, then she took him. In verse 23, O'Connor, her husband, said unto her, Do what seemeth right, or what seemeth thee good. Tarry until thou hast weaned him. Only the Lord establish his words to the woman abode, and gave her son suck till she weaned him. And when she weaned him, she took him up with her, with three bullocks, and one ephah of flour, and a bottle of wine, and brought him into the house of the Lord in Shiloh. And the child was young. How important is it, by the way, to take your children to the house of the Lord with you? Amen. That's exactly what she did. She took him to the house of God with her. And what a, We're seeing here this example of a godly mother. You see that? She loves God. She loves her child. She's made a vow before God. And in spite of the fact that, let me just tell you, this had to be the hardest thing this woman would ever do. Can you all say amen? I'm not a mother, but I cannot imagine as a father doing what she's about to do. Now, it's not like she'd never see this baby again. But she has just weaned him. Younger than Link, younger than my little boy, 
she's about to give him away to a priest. How scary. But she took him and she turned him over. Look at verse 25. They slew a bullock and brought the child to Eli. And she said, Oh, my Lord, as thy soul liveth, my Lord, I'm the woman that stood by thee here praying to the Lord. For this child I prayed, and the Lord hath given me by petition which I asked of him. Therefore also I have lent him to the Lord. As long as he liveth, he shall be lent to the Lord. And he worshiped the Lord there. Now the verse says she lent him to the Lord. But you know what she said? As long as he liveth. How's that lending? How's that not giving away? Well, I can tell you how. She loved God. She knew God. And she knew that one day this life would end. And when it did, she'd be reunited with her son forever. She lent him to the Lord. That even though I'm saying goodbye now and I won't get to be with him much now, there's a day coming where I'll be returned to him and him to me. That's the kind of joy that only a godly mother can experience. That no matter what happens in this life, that there is an eternity where we can be with our children forever. Amen. That's why John said there's no greater joy than to know that my children walk in truth because it is an eternity together. Amen. What a wonderful thing. 1 Samuel chapter 2, verse 1, Hannah prayed and said, My heart rejoiceth in the Lord, mine horn is exalted in the Lord. My mouth is enlarged over mine enemies because I rejoice in thy salvation. There is none holy as the Lord, and there is none beside thee, neither is there any rock like our God. In the midst of all this trial, she learned that God is our rock. He's our foundation. He's our protection. She lent her child to the Lord because she understood that without her God, she would never have had her son. What a perfect exemplification of that old saying, Lord, give through me what you wouldn't give to me. And we see a mother that thrived and will be done. In 2 Samuel chapter 2, verse number 18, some time has passed and now she has come back again with her husband and she has come there and it says in verse 18, Samuel ministered before the Lord being a child girded with a linen ephod. Moreover, his mother made him a little coat and brought it to him from year to year when she came up with her husband to offer the yearly sacrifice. So that tells us that she, she was a woman who, who came every year to the house of the Lord. And you know what happened to this woman? She went from a life of sorrow to a life of satisfaction. A life of being sorrowful and lonely and alone and, 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 and afraid and, 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 and bitter about not having a child and suddenly having this child. And now this child is outside of her reach. But you know what I believe she did? I believe she looked forward every year to what? Going up to God's house. Because at God's house she got to see her God and that baby boy that God gave her. And she made him a coat. Every year she'd come up and she'd see him. And I bet you, I guarantee you that woman loved on that boy. Amen. I like to grab my boy up and he'll, he'll say, Daddy, hold me, hold me, hold me. Hold me, hold me, hold me all the time. Hold me, hold me. And I'll be honest, sometimes I'm like, Son, I don't want to hold you right now. I'll pick him up and he'll lay on me. Love you, Daddy. There's nothing like it. And here this woman comes and she sees her son and when she grabs that boy and hugs him and shows him this coat she's made him, there is no joy like knowing God gave me this child. 
God gave me this boy, and now here he is, and he's serving God. What a great joy that is, amen, to know that your children walk in truth, amen. She thrived in heart. She thrived in holiness, coming up yearly, the Bible said, to the yearly sacrifice in, in verse 19. She never quit going to the house of God, and she never quit serving God after God gave her what she wanted. She didn't walk away from God after she got what she wanted, and well, I'm good now. No, she continued to serve God. And she was a woman who thrived in her home. Verse 20, Eli blessed Elkanah and his wife and said, The Lord give thee seed of this woman for the loan which is lent to the Lord. And they went into their own home. And the Lord visited Hannah so that she conceived and bare three sons and two daughters. And the child Samuel grew before the Lord. You know what happened? God did not just answer this woman's prayer, but because of her faith, and because of her faithfulness in being obedient to God, God gave her five more children. We don't see her ask for them, do we? You know what happens? Eli sees her faithfulness. He says, I pray God will give you more blessings. And God gives her five more children. There are many differing thoughts and opinions of what a good mother is in this age. Just get on Facebook and everybody's ready to give you their opinion. Turn on Dr. Phil. God help us, Oprah. And you know what? You can gather the 100 top psychologists, children's psychologists in the world, all their opinions of what a good mother is, and you know what none of them will say? That Hannah was a good mother. They'd say she abused her child. Abandoned her, or abandoned him, all those things. Because those who do not have the Lord cannot understand spiritual things. And I'm not telling you this morning you need to donate your children to the church. That's not what I'm telling you. Here's what I'm telling you. A godly mother is a mother who gives her children to God. A godly mother is a mother who comes before the Lord and says, God, what you want for my children is what I want for my children. Amen? A godly mother lives right before her children, just like Hannah did. She got up, she went to church, she offered sacrifice, she worshiped the Lord. A godly mother loves her children. She brought him that coat, she showed him her love. A godly mother prays for her children. Amen. Just like Hannah did when she asked God to give her that son. Amen. A godly mother wants God's will for her children. More than a mother wants her children to have money and success and be good at sports or any of those things, a mother should want her child to walk in truth. Amen. You want to know what the legacy of Samuel is? I don't have time, we're, we're closing here. But y'all know who Samuel was? Samuel was the man who took the oil and anointed the head of King David. He anointed the man after God's own heart. What a wonderful legacy that is. But do you know what Samuel's testimony is? In the next chapter, 1 Samuel chapter 3, verse 19, the Bible says this, And Samuel grew... And the Lord was with him 
and did let none of his words fall to the ground. What a testimony. Can I say that if there's one testimony that I want for my children, it's that the Lord is with them? Amen. Do I want my kids to have nice things? Yes. Do I want them to be successful and get married and have kids of their own and and have have plenty of money in the bank and never have to worry? Absolutely, I want those things. But more than any of those things, I want them to have God and I want God to have them. Amen. That's what I want. I want to know that my children walk in truth. I want to know that my daughter loves God and that she's saved and that she walks with God. That she marries the man God wants her to marry. Amen. I want my son to marry the woman that God wants him to marry if the Lord tarries his coming. I'm hoping he don't. Amen. I'm saying even so come Lord Jesus. Let's have us a rapture out of here. Hallelujah. But the fact is, if the Lord does tarry his coming, I just want what God wants. Amen. That's what I want. That's my prayer for them. Mothers, mothers now, future mothers, you know what you need? You want to have true joy. The only true joy of godly motherhood is this, that our children walk in truth. It's all saying. Thank you again for listening to the Calvary Road Baptist Church podcast. If you would like to learn more about our church in Shepherdsville, Kentucky, you can find the link to our website in the show notes to www.calvaryroadbaptistchurch.com. We're so thankful that you've taken the time to listen to today's sermon. And we hope that the Lord will use it to edify you in the faith. If you'd like to help spread the word about this podcast, you can do so by leaving us a five-star review on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts or by telling a friend. Thank you again and have a blessed day in the Lord. Thank you.